Hello, my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I hope everyone is doing good. Today's episode of the podcast is another birth story from a listener. This time it's from Sarah who is based in Australia so it was really lovely talking to her over Zoom. She shares her birth story which is a first baby and um, Sarah actually had gestational diabetes as well so she talks through her pregnancy, through her labour and how she went on to have a very positive, incredible experience when her baby was born. So I obviously won't give anything away here, but I really, really did enjoy listening to Sarah's story and how her baby was eventually born. And I know you guys will as well. So I will play the episode for you now. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. That's lovely to have you. And if you could just introduce yourself to everybody. Sure. So my name's Sarah. I am living in Australia. I am a mother to a 19-month-old. I'm a wife to my husband. We've been together for 11 years. And I'm also a life coach. So my work involves helping mums to find more time, space and energy for themselves and to go after whatever it is that they want in life. So that's a little bit about me. I love that. Maybe uh, maybe at the end you could give us three tips or something. I don't know. Mm, Not to put you sure. on the spot. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. Um, but sure. yeah, that would be, I'm sure, so helpful for everybody that's listening. Um, okay, so what was it that, because you're going to talk us through your birth story, what was it that mm-hmm. originally kind of interested you about hypnobirthing and made you want to follow that path? So um, I've always been like a little bit obsessed with self-development as a life coach. It kind of makes a bit of sense, right? But um, once I became pregnant, I just wanted to know everything there was to know about pregnancy and birth. And it, I got lost in YouTube and kind of stumbled across hypnobirthing. And it's something that really resonated with me as someone who has practiced um, Bikram yoga for many, many, many years. Like I, I know the power of the mind and that even when you're doing something physical, your mind is what matters. So yeah, it really resonated with me. And um, yeah, I bought um, the Australian hypnobirthing course, hypnobubs and um, yeah, just got started learning and I loved it. Yeah. Wow. I love that because yeah, you've already had that experience and you already totally get that connection. And I think once you Mm -hmm. do understand that mind body connection, it does make so much more sense and Mm -hmm. you can look at childbirth and labor in a completely different way, can't you? To, Mm -hmm. I think how we're brought up to look at it. Um, Totally. Yeah. It makes it feel a bit more kind of manageable if we can mm-hmm. get, get your head in the right space, then your body will kind of follow with what that's doing. So share your birth story because also um, first baby as well. And I think mm-hmm. I, I on this podcast, funnily, somebody the other day asked me um, which episodes were first time babies. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was going kind of looking back through and I do have quite a few actually. Uh, but I think it's something that a lot of people want to hear from first time mums particularly Mm. because second or subsequent births sometimes are 
quite different. So hearing from first time is really beneficial, I think, to a lot of people. So um, it's great that uh, you're here to share that kind of story as well. So if, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, if you could talk us through your birth story. Totally. So yeah, as a first timer, I, yeah, I just felt like I needed some sort of tools or plan or strategy, hence the hypnobirthing course. So um, I think it's kind of important context to chat a little bit about my pregnancy experience because it kind of did influence my birth and labor um i am you know i am young fit healthy and i kind of assumed that my pregnancy would be a little bit of a walk in the park and it was (laughs) not (laughs) i ended up getting gestational diabetes um so that kind of threw a spanner in the works and that was not a fun thing to manage and from 20 weeks onwards I had like intense swelling of my ankles and my my whole body so I was quite uncomfortable I got the carpal tunnel I got I got all the things all the things that one could get in oh, the bless you. I got. and uh, <laughs> That just kind of set the scene for, yeah, it was just a really demanding time on my body. Luckily, I went into spontaneous labour at around 39 weeks. So I was very happy that that happened because I, by that point I was extremely uncomfortable. Was the, um, was the gestational diabetes, was that kind of causing any issues with how you wanted your labour to be, if you see what I mean? So well, were they talking about induction or, or anything like that? They... Yeah, they were definitely, those conversations came up talking about, you know, the baby could be bigger. And my my dream was to have a water birth, especially with the swelling I was experiencing. I was like, I'm not going to be comfortable upright in any way, shape or form. Like I need to have water to be comfortable. So I did end up getting like here in Australia, you have to get like permission to have a water birth or labor in the water. So I got that form signed prior and that was all good. But my waters ended up breaking at, yeah, 39 and 1, just as I got into bed for the night. I think (laughs) it was about 10.45 or something. And I just, I felt this like sharp pain and then a little pop and then a trickle. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) that's, I think that's the water. Yeah. I, yeah, I went to the toilet, called out to my husband and we were like, okay, it's go time. So the hospital had advised me to call if my waters broke. So that's what I did. I gave them a call and they said, all right, come on in and we just want to check you, make sure everything's all right. And then you'll go back home and labor there until you're really in labor sort of thing. And that was my preference. Like I wanted to be at home as long as possible. So I could be in the bath. I could be, you know, wherever I wanted. So we went to the hospital and they put put me on the monitor and they were monitoring the baby for about half an hour and then they said that they weren't happy because there wasn't much movement. But for me, I said, well, yeah, the baby moves all day long, like all day long and it's now like midnight. It's not Like time. it's probably asleep, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, they were not happy. They did, just didn't want me to leave so right. um, we – we stayed in the hospital and they said that they would induce me at 6am, which as a first time mom, I was a little bit confused because I was like, my waters are broken. I'm starting to feel some things like, aren't I getting into labor? Why are we talking about induction? Yeah. But yeah. anyway, 
they popped us in a little kind of doctor's office room to wait it out. And then two or so hours later, my I, I started feeling things like really happening. So they popped us into a labor and delivery room. And um, at this point, my mum was able to come into the hospital. So she actually lives interstate and this was in between lockdowns and it was all very lucky that she was able to be there. Oh, wow, um, yeah. It's her first grandchild and, yeah, it was it was just very lucky and very special to have her okay. in the room. So as soon as I got into that labour and delivery room, of course my eyes were looking for that birthing pool and it was not there and... Mm-hmm. You know, with hypnobirthing, I had I knew I had to just drop that. I, like I, it wasn't going to be how I had imagined, so I just let it go. And I was on reflection, I was really surprised with how quickly I just let that go. Um, yeah. I didn't dwell on it. I was like, okay, like what do I need to do? So they wanted to continuously monitor me and the baby, and so that meant that my movements and positions were very limited. I basically had the choice of the bed or the ball right next to the bed. And so I just started breathing and breathing through the contractions. And there had been midwives swap over. So this is about like 6 a.m. in the morning now. And I got a really, really lovely young midwife who was very on board with my approach of hypnobirthing. She was very supportive. She kind of just stayed out of the way, but kept my monitors in the right place and really respected the process. Whereas prior to her starting there was like a lot of negativity with the night staff that was a bit like confronting it I don't know it felt like I was an inconvenience and I felt like that and I was like oh sorry sorry I'm here to have my baby (laughs) (laughs) it makes such a difference like who is in the room it makes such a difference and as well sometimes I think you know maybe those night staff they were sort of looking at the end of their you know they're almost at the end of their shift Mm -hmm. and you know you've come in and you know I mean not that at all that's absolutely not acceptable mm-hmm. but you just and then you get your a fresh a fresh lot of people come in to start their shift I mean it shouldn't be like that but it, it seems to be and I was talking to somebody the other day it's that you know she was sharing her birth story she had exactly the same thing to say that the swap yeah. over of staff actually massively benefited her because they were fresh you know they really were like ready to go and they were you know happy to support her not trying to rush her along at all so yeah you know, it does make a difference who who you have, absolutely. Totally. So, yeah, this midwife was super supportive. And the next few hours, like I just spent either on the ball or the bed and I was just breathing, just breathing through the contractions. My husband was just, you know, standing by supporting me as much as he could. But I just, I just went into my own little world and I was surprised with how well I was managing it, to be honest. Like just breathing, they come, they go, and it was okay. And I remember this one point, it must have been around like 11 a.m. where my lovely midwife said, you know, can can we do a cervical check? And I was like, absolutely. On my little um, birth preferences, I'd said minimal cervical checks. Um, However, when it came to go time, I felt like that was the only way to know how far along I was, how how long I'd have to go. And so I consented to a lot more um, than I thought I would. And so she checked me and she was like, hmm, I just need to get a second opinion. Uh, Just wait here. I'll come back. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I thought, oh, my God, I'm I'm at 10 centimetres. And she just doesn't want to get my hopes up yet. But she's thinking this amazing first time mom has just flown 
through it. Here we are. We're at 10. We're ready to go. And she got the other midwife. She checked me and she goes, hmm, yeah, I think you're right. Four, maybe five centimeters. So we're in active labor now. And I was like, oh, my God, what was the last, like, six hours? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I can understand that kind of mental setback. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, we progressed. I did take a few different bathroom breaks, and I noticed that every time I went into the bathroom with my husband, the contractions would get more intense, closer together, like things would ramp up, and then I'd come back out and be back near the bed and whatever, and things would slow down and so that kind of kept happening for a while and because I was being monitored there was you know around the corner there was doctors always watching my screen seeing what's happening and I think what was interesting was that like my outside demeanor didn't at any time depict what was actually happening inside I kept very calm very quiet and the whole time they were still talking about induction and I was like I'm I'm in, I'm in labor. I don't understand. Like, it's crazy, oh isn't my, it? It's crazy. Yeah. I was like, what are, what are you going to induce? There was, there was a point actually before we had that changeover of the nice midwife where this midwife came, gave me a cervical check, but actually ended up, I think, doing a bit of a sweep inside mm. and it really hurt. And I hadn't, I hadn't consented to that. Yeah, and that's so bad. Oh my god! I remember saying "ow," and she's like, "Well, do you do you want to be in labor?" And she's like, <laughs> "Don't look at me like I'm mean. I'm trying to help you." And I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my goodness! That's so bad. Really, yeah. that's very cheeky." Yeah, yeah, it was. So anyway, um, I was very happy once she was gone. So at about eleven a.m., I was in that kind of active labor phase. So things started to ramp up, and. I just, I honestly, it's like, as you know, like the time it goes like a bit of a blur, but it got to this point where it was feeling more intense at this point, let's say we're around like the 3 PM. So I've just been, I've just been doing the same thing I've been doing the whole time. I've had staff coming in, doctors coming in saying, do you want pain relief? Do you want pain relief? And I just kept saying, no, 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 like I'm fine. I'm fine. But it it was, yeah, I just didn't feel like the doctors were on the same page. The midwife was fine. She was mm. like, she's all right. She's she's doing her thing. We're, baby's okay. Like, it's it's all fine. Yeah. Um, I had to prick my finger, check my blood sugars throughout the whole labor. That was just like an added annoyance. I yeah, guess, I bet. Diabetes. And then when we got to about 3 p.m., I started feeling the... Um, the fetal ejection reflex so my uterus was pushing baby down and it was completely involuntary and I was like okay like something's happening and the doctors came by at that time and said they wanted to do another cervical check and at this point my husband was so good he was like look whenever you guys do that it's the most uncomfortable position for her she's on her back you take your time it's really like not ideal so if you're gonna do it you're in and out you've got one shot and if you don't do it, like, whatever, like, we're sick yeah. of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Good. Great advocating. Yeah. He was so good. And so, um, and I said to them, like, I can feel my body pushing the baby down. And they're like, okay, okay. And they checked me and they said, stop pushing. You're only six centimetres. Oh, my goodness. But and you're I not even like, doing it. You're not even pushing. Your body's just doing it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not pushing. And so at this point, 
this is the one point that I started to lose my mental strength because my biggest fear as a first time mum was tearing. Like I just, I did not want to tear. And what I heard him say was, you know, like, you're not ready for this baby to come out, but this baby's coming out. So like, I heard like, you're going to tear essentially. (gasps) And so I, I just said, okay, can I get an epidural? That was just where my brain went. It was, you know, shut your body down. Yeah. And that'll that'll solve the problem. <laughs> but also it like you said, you'd had it was they kind of the you know, not to I suppose put it on the doctors, but I think where you said and you'd said before that the doctors were very like, you know, you, you need this, you need this, whereas your midwife was much more trusting in you, and that is just how they are different, you know, doctors mm-hmm. and obstetricians are obviously much more medical, so they're always gonna mm-hmm. go to the medical side. But you know, they'd done a a, a a vaginal check and said, oh, you're, you know, you're only six centimetres. So probably for you, you thought, oh, like, I've still got so long mm-hmm. to go. I thought mm-hmm. I was much further ahead. Oh, I might, you know, might as well just give in and have the epidural. Like, it's so understandable it's why so you would go there because if if they, and I always talk about this, if they'd worded that different and said, mm-hmm. you're doing so good, like you're, you know, you're six mm-hmm. centimetres, you're nearly there you'd have felt so different about that and probably have thought totally. like your mental strength would have still been where it was. So it's language yeah. is so key and it can set you back so much when someone words something kind of negatively. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I can completely get why you went to that space. Yeah. And also when I was in that zone prior, just like in my own world, my lovely midwife had finished her shift and then we had an even better one come on. So she was right. incredible, but I honestly didn't look at her face until <laughs> until my daughter was born. So <laughs> I just, I didn't even notice like that it was someone new, but apparently as soon as she came in, she was like studying my birth preference list. She was like, okay, what are we going to do? Talking with my husband. Like she was amazing. So oh, that's so good. Um, at the, and yeah we really had the a-team but anyway so yeah I've asked for an epidural which was the last thing in the world that I actually wanted and my husband knew this and so he just said and the doctors as soon as I said it they're like of course yeah the anesthetist straight away they're like yes five minutes yes yes this is what we wanted she's doing it yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly oh my goodness so anyway my husband was like "Whoa, whoa 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 is there anything else we can start with first? And right, the, midwife, right. the midwife was like, absolutely, we can start her on the gas. Let's see how that goes. Right. And so they gave me the gas. And at this point, I was kind of kneeling on the back of the bed and trying to take this gas. And I wasn't very effective, but it did kind of give me something else to focus on. Yeah. And so the the pushing of my body was still happening, but not as frequent. So I wasn't freaking out as much I guess so we did that for a while and then I got that intense pressure feeling in my butt and I was like "Mm, I think I need to go to the toilet and they were like okay well we'll get the the portable gas happening and so and they're like oh and we can put you the portable bluetooth a monitor on you as well amazing like where where's that been oh my goodness they just wheeled that out at the last moment helpful so yeah so they hooked me up I had a bit of I had freedom and then they got the the wheelie gas and they let me go into the bathroom with my husband and I remember I sat on the toilet thinking like I clearly need to do a poo that's what this intense feeling is and 
they kind of yelled out because they could see the monitor and they were like, oh, Sarah, baby's not happy with that position. You need to stand up. You need to stand up. And so this is about four o'clock. And so I'm thinking, well, how am I going to go to the toilet standing up, first of all? (laughs) But anyway, I stood up, moved away from the toilet. The midwives came in and then they said, Sarah, we can see ahead. Um, it's, It's okay. We can see ahead babies are here like it's time you can push and so that was only that was less than an hour since my cervical check of being six centimeters and And having those it it makes you wonder like I don't know whether it did make you wonder this or whether it's just because now I'm listening to it but it makes you wonder like did they get that right when they checked you because Mm. your your body was already pushing Mm -hmm. did they you know yeah did they it's you know because it's human humans doing it there's there's exactly. human error people don't always get things right and if they're mm-hmm. just doing it quickly they're trying to do it quickly maybe they didn't get it right it sounds like your mm-hmm. body seemed ready and you know in an hour their, their head's there yeah uh, yeah I suppose it just makes you you wonder doesn't it but you never know but I know I, tr- I truly do believe that like you know that as a mum, like you are the most in tune with your body, like you and your baby know what's yeah. going on more than any other doctor, any midwife, anyone. So yeah, now in hindsight, like I have that, I have that knowledge, I have that confidence and next time would be very different. But yeah, so we get to this point where I'm in the hospital bathroom standing up and they've said that they can see ahead. So I was happy to give birth standing in the bathroom because I didn't want to lay on my back on the bed and so basically on my birth preferences I'd said that I did want to feel the head when it was crowning that was something that I thought I would want and then in the moment the midwife said okay okay like you can feel the head like reach down and I was like no no no, that's okay like I kind of (laughs) just wanted to focus I had my arms wrapped around my husband's neck he was taking all my weight and I was just standing there like ready to do this and this midwife was just incredible. Like she didn't give up on me and she's like, no, no, Sarah. She's like, I want you to reach down. I want you to feel the head. And mm-hmm. then on the next push, I want you to pull the baby out. Like I will help you. I'll be there, but I want you to pull the baby out. And I was like, okay. And so <laughs> on the next contraction, I kind of um, just squatted a bit and baby just came out. I just pushed, she came out and I, I pulled her up and they said, Aww. baby's here. And it was How amazing. Amazing. Like, we didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl, but it took a few minutes before that was even yeah. a factor. Like we was yeah. just like, oh my God, I've just pulled my own baby out. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that midwife for that. Like that's so oh, how amazing that she encouraged you to do that because what yeah. an incredible experience as well. Exactly. And it's like she took that from my birth preferences, from observing me for a couple of hours. She just was really attuned to what I would want. And that I'm so grateful for that so so grateful yeah and so yeah then they said it's a girl and then we knew that we had the name poppy picked and poppy was here and so sweet I had opted for the um injection in the leg to kind of um bring on the placenta so they did that pretty much straight away I didn't really even notice and then I got onto the bed and then my placenta was really stubborn and um the midwife yeah, she was trying to pull, like, pull a little bit to tug and, like, um, encourage it out, and the cord started snapping. So she stopped. 
And she's like, okay, okay, we'll just wait. Like, we'll just wait for it to come. And I think 50 minutes had passed and they only give you an hour to get the placenta out. And so I said, I said, I feel like I need to go to the toilet again. Like, I've just, I've still got this feeling like, can I please go? And they're like, yeah, okay. And so I went into the toilet. They had already had like the towel on the toilet when I went prior, thinking that I could potentially have the baby on the toilet. (laughs) And I remember the midwife just yelling into the bathroom and she said, Sarah, if your placenta's not here in a few minutes, we're going to have to take you to theatre. <sighs> and those words, I just thought, oh, my God, like I've After just all had that. natural birth. Yeah. How can I go to theatre? And within 10 seconds, it just dropped out. And I was like, it's here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's amazing. So That's amazing. And very how, lucky. How interesting that you you obviously felt most comfortable in that bathroom because you said mm-hmm. it before as well, like earlier on in your labor, mm-hmm. that whenever you were in there, your, your labor intensified. So yeah. there is obviously a thing about, you know, being in a very small, secure space. Like that's what mammals crave when mm-hmm. they're in labor because that's where we feel safest. So I wonder whether just on a very primal, instinctive level, you just needed to be in a small space for these things to yeah. to come out. And once you were in there, like your body was saying, go to the bathroom because it was telling you that you needed to. And you did. And, you know, your baby and your placenta were both born in, in there. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating though, isn't it? Like how how we work we are we're mm-hmm. just like cats and dogs and things like that that require those little small spaces so yeah it's, it's mm-hmm. amazing I love it great yeah it was wild it was crazy but it was beautiful I like yeah. I couldn't have asked for a better experience that sounds amazing I love that and everything was kind of okay after did you get to go home fairly soon after yeah so um my daughter had to be checked um, for the gestational diabetes. Um, often the kids can be born with a high blood sugar. So her initial check was fine. Her next check was a little bit higher. So they had to give her a little bit of formula. Mm-hmm. And then the following day, like it was all good. Yeah. Um, and then for me, I had to get one stitch internally, but that was okay. Um, yeah. That was fine. Yeah. And then I think I was only in hospital for about so I stayed that night. So she was born at quarter past four in the afternoon. I stayed that night and then I left the following evening. So nice. I just, it because it was COVID time as well, my husband couldn't stay, you know, yeah. and I was just feeling like I just wanted to get home, be with him yeah, um, and figure this out. But I do remember, like, I felt, I felt totally fine the next day and it was all good. But I remember as we were walking kind of out of the hospital, it was the longest walk I'd done since yeah. birth. And I just felt like all my organs yeah. were like down in my body. I remember I that. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I remember that feeling too. It does feel oh. like you're kind of inside. I mean, this is that it's horrible, horrible oh, thing. <laughs> but it does feel like that. It's a very normal feeling. Like I remember the first time I stood up after it felt like that. But I mean that's very normal. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna they're not they're not going anywhere. <laughs> they're not falling out. They're not, but <laughs> I think it's a great indicator and a reminder for you to take it so slow and easy in those yeah. following weeks because so much has to recover and repair. Yeah. So I definitely. think it was a good thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And was she kind of average size? Was she bigger because of the gestational diabetes? She was she was born seven pounds, one ounce. Oh, so oh. she was like to- a little yeah. bit smaller. A little bit smaller. She was fine. 
and See, I think yeah. that's the thing like it's all guesswork when it's they're all guessing you yeah. yeah and you know it's it's one of those things as well like I mean you know I suppose yeah with gestational diabetes there's there is that kind of increased risk of them being a bit bigger so I guess it's definitely something to uh, kind of consider but you're you know if the kind of the thought of the baby size could have changed your labor you know they could have wanted to mm-hmm. induce you earlier or um mm-hmm. you know something else so and that that could have been why they were trying to maybe speed your labor up during your labor by inducing who knows but mm-hmm. she was born uh, well probably I'm not sure what the average is but probably slightly smaller mm-hmm. than the average anyway yeah so that would have been completely unnecessary you know your body was totally. perfectly capable of of doing it all on its own and birthing her and yeah when I mean, she was ready exactly exactly yeah. so yeah it's definitely a a lesson there I think somewhere but that's amazing and she's so she's 19 months now 19 months now she's yeah. like talking and running and <laughs> oh it's it's such a fun age it really oh, is Oh, so amazing yeah 19 months wow yeah she is fully on the go now then isn't she oh yeah she's a very busy girl <laughs> <laughs> yeah keeping you busy I'm sure but thank you so much that was I love that story and I love that you you <laughs> pulled her out or like you know caught her I think that's so incredible <laughs> and the fact that yeah we talked about how you're in the the bathroom I just think that's so interesting and it, you know it's something that I talk about all the time like when I'm teaching I talk about this kind of primal instinct and these basic needs that we we need to mm-hmm. produce oxytocin and things like that and mm-hmm. it's a really good example of that like this I think your story really proves that that your your body was kind of willing you to find this small space where there weren't loads of people you know where there was just your husband and you know Mm -hmm. it's just really it's very primal and very instinctive so it's Mm -hmm. it's fascinating I just the body is incredible yeah totally (laughs) and one thing I did want to mention too is so obviously my husband kind of um was a little bit involved with the hypnobirthing course there was like one kind of um part that he could you know be a part of and how could he support me as a birthing partner but something he did that like just totally changed the game for him was he attended something called beer and bubs it's here in australia i'm not sure if it's anywhere else in the world but it's basically (laughs) a night at the pub where they learn like guys come together they're expecting babies and they learn from a professional who um hosts these events like how they can best support their partner and it kind of really enforces that they're an advocate and these are some things you can do. And it was just such an environment that he felt comfortable in, that he was really receptive to that information. And yeah. um, he felt like he had a role. And so after yeah. he did that, which was only a couple of weeks before the birth, like it just, it really changed everything for him. And I think it made such a difference. So yeah, I um, highly wow. recommend that to any other Aussie moms I, yeah. or wherever it is in the world, beers and bobs. <laughs> I haven't heard I haven't heard of anything like that here, but that's a great idea. And mm. it sounds like he did a really good job, like asking those right questions and advocating for you when you needed it. And, you know, mm. asking if is there anything else we can do first? You know, I think those are really important things. And you're not always in a position to be able to do that when you're in labor because you're not necessarily thinking kind of straight when you're in labor mm-hmm. so no. having somebody who can 
ask those questions then advocate and support and stick up for you if you need it is really important so you know he did a great job and it's definitely a team effort like 100 totally yeah it's it, it really is so um well done to him as well <laughs> he did a good job yeah so do you have any tips that you want to give people on uh, you know motherhood from, from your point of view of what you do um from your kind of life coach point of view is there anything that you think would be useful for people in terms of tips on on anything mm-hmm. well one of my favorite topics to talk about and things that I help all my clients work through is mum guilt so this is like a phenomenon that um all mums experience it really is isn't of it guilt yeah, or inadequacy when it comes to your children. You feel like you haven't done enough or been enough or given them enough, even yeah. if you have. And so this is often something that I have to work with my mums through before we can get to, you know, them finding more time, space and energy for themselves because if they feel crap while they're having more time for themselves, it's not worth it. No. Um, and same with, you know, going after their dreams. If they're feeling guilty, it, it's just not going to happen. So... Um, an acronym that I came up with that helps me personally deal with mum guilt is guilt. So I talk about it in a bit more um, detail on my Instagram, but I'll give a really quick rundown here. Basically, the G stands for give yourself grace. So in that moment when that guilt is coming up, be kind to yourself. You are doing your very best and sometimes we can forget that so it's about you know reminding yourself and being kind to yourself in the moment U stands for understand your why so behind every decision you make as a mom you have a reason why and that logic can sometimes trump the feelings of guilt so remember why are you doing this and that and that can help then I stands for identify your triggers. So when are you getting triggered with these feelings of guilt? Is it a certain situation, a certain environment? Are you around certain people that bring up those feelings of mum guilt? Kind of being aware of your triggers can help you then pre-plan. So if you know that, you know, daycare drop-offs are a trigger for you, feeling guilty that you're having some time while your kids are in daycare, you can kind of prep yourself with some affirmations or you know reminding yourself of your reason why why are they going to care all those things so uh, identify your triggers then l is look for the good so in every situation there is good and often it's for multiple parties so for the daycare example the good for you is you you know you get to work you get to earn money advance your career or even if you're not working you get that time to yourself to do the things that you just can't do while your kids are there And for your kid, they get this amazing day of social interaction, learning, maybe some fun activities that are messy that they don't get to do at home. So acknowledging that good. And then T stands for trust your instincts. So there is nothing like a mother's intuition, a mother's gut instinct. Just have that trust in yourself and anchor into that and remember that you are the best mother for your kids and you're doing the best thing for them. So just trust yourself at the end of the day. You know your kids um, better than anyone. So give yourself grace, understand your why, identify your triggers, look for the good and trust your instincts. That is my tips for handling mum guilt. Great. I love that. And it is, you're so right. It's so one of those things we 
hear it so much, don't we? You know, people say, oh, you know, I've I've got mum guilt or, and it could just be somebody else saying that they feel guilty for doing something that then might make you think, oh, <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. I should feel guilty for doing that. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But I'm sure like, I'm sure when we were young, you know, our parents didn't feel guilty for, for doing things to themselves. It's a very new thing, isn't it? This idea of mum mm-hmm. guilt, like we should mm-hmm. feel guilty if we aren't, hundred percent of the time uh focusing on our, our children and I think that's so unrealistic because mm-hmm. we need to look after ourselves as well and it's so important mm-hmm. isn't it to give ourselves that that time to to yeah like look after ourselves and you know work like you said or exercise or just do just sit and watch tv like on your own yeah. or sit and read a book it's so important and it's great for them when we as as mums as mothers are feeling our best so I love that and that will definitely definitely help people with their journey as well so thank you so much I love that Um, and what I'll do is I'll link your um your Instagram as well so people can go and um and check you out follow you um and thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing your your wise words um, I've really enjoyed talking to you and I've really, really enjoyed your story. So thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, Claire. I've so loved sharing it. It's a story I'm very proud of and feel very grateful to have. And yeah, thank you for your time. I, I so appreciate it. No, you're welcome. Thank you so much. And I will speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. A huge thank you to Sarah for sharing her story and for also sharing her great tips on motherhood guilt something which unfortunately I think many of us can relate to. Um, I'll leave Sarah's Instagram link below so that you can check out her page. Also below I've got links to courses, uh, to offers on birth pools, TENS machines, all of that jazz. I've also got a specific listener discount code which is also listed below. So if you're interested in any of my courses you can use that to get 10% off. Once again, thank you so much for listening. A big thank you to Sarah for coming on and sharing her story. And I will see you in two weeks time with a new episode. Goodbye.